stand in front of these good people. Now, Lord, help me to say what's right. Help me to say it in love. And help me to do what I need to do to be, to be prepared and ready for the people that you're going to bring to us to minister to. And God, I pray that your perfect will be done. And God, will thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> Sorry, my throat's a little scratchy today. I want to set up. I want to set up this 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 teaching today, and 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 kind of bring you up to speed. Paul is sitting in prison. Uh, he is, matter of fact, he's sitting waiting to die. He's fixing to. He's fixing to. Uh, uh, be executed, and, and he's hearing word from different churches and different places that he has planted and he has spent time and ministered to. And uh, he gets word, he gets word that the church of Philippi is having some problems. They're having some division in the church. There's a couple people there that's not getting along. If you go to chapter number four, you'll find that Yodius and Sintichi are not getting along in the church. And they don't say what it is. They don't say what they're arguing about or not getting along about. Uh, but there is just some division there. And Paul's having to deal with this. Okay? Now, how many of y'all understand this today? Everybody, everybody look at me right here. How many of y'all understand that there's no such thing as a perfect church? Does everybody understand it? You say, how do you know? Because it's made of imperfect people. Now, I, I, I've, seen, I've seen people, you know, you, I, I, I always cringe. I always cringe when somebody will put on social media, I'm looking for a church. Where do you recommend? And then, and then you've got all the fans of whatever churches, but this is this one, this is this one, this is this one, this is why you need to go to And then they start arguing back and forth. Well, I went to that one. Nobody ever spoke to me. I'm like, oh, Jesus. And, I'm, and people forget that there's no such thing as a perfect church. There's no such thing. It, it, it drives me insane when, when they, we, we had a, we had a the, you know how the newspaper will do the favorite. You know, voted the favorite, voted the favorite Italian or voted the favorite tire place, voted the favorite church, you know. And, and, and they gave that to us one time and I'm thinking, what, what are you doing? You're going to have everybody mad at us. They're already mad at us, you know. That, that there's everybody's made up of imperfect people. So we got to understand that. How many of y'all, how many of y'all would admit this, that, that most, there's a lot of people get their feelings hurt in church. And many times that is, many times that is, is they're expecting, they're expecting more of the people beside them than they are of themselves. Now, listen, here's the deal. They're, they're not getting along. They're having some issues. So Paul he, he instructs them. He gives them he gives some, uh, some education. He gives them some expectations, if you will. He said, if you have experienced Christ, if you've experienced the love of Christ, you've experienced the fellowship of the Spirit, he said, this is what I need you to do. I need you to get along. Can't we all just get along? Right? Man, it's kind of quiet today. Now, honestly, we're not, it's not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not trying to deal with a problem as far as division or people not getting along. We're, we're getting along. This is like preventive maintenance. Amen. I, I'm, I'm wanting to get into the rest of the stuff. He said, be like-minded, be in one accord, man, think the same thing, have harmony and have unity. And then this is where the message begins. This is where we need to really hunker down and look into it. He says, listen, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory. 
Let nothing be done. Nothing that you do. Now, let's define that. Look in your notes. If you're, if you're writing notes, write this down. Number one, I want you to see the expectation that's found. The first expectation is this. Avoid strife. Say that with me. All five of you. Help me now. Say it with me. Avoid strife. Up in the balcony. Say it with me. Avoid strife. Now, what is strife? Strife. Watch here. Here's, here's Webster's Dictionary. Exertion or contention for superiority. Uh-oh. Contention for superiority. What is he saying? Let nothing be done through strife. Don't, nobody in this building needs to be arguing over who's the best. Or who's first? Or who gets the best song? Or who gets the best part? Or who gets the best place of service? Or who gets the best door to stand in front of? Are y'all with me? Who gets the best part? Nobody. There should never be strife. There should never be a fight or a fuss over who's most important. Never let nothing be done through strife or vainglory. There never should be an argument. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Now, how many of y'all know that's not reality in a lot of places? Let me tell you why God's blessed temple like he has. Because everybody wants to have a small part of something big. The The greatest compliment that temple has ever received, Dr. Craig Edwards came and preached a Sunday morning for us, and he got here early, and he saw people going like mad hatters, just going everywhere. People that were serving, they were here volunteering. They were keeping the doors, they were greedy. He was blown away. He said, Malcolm, he said, let me tell you what makes Temple click. He said this, people want a small part of something big. And you know when problems arise in the church? is when people want a big part of something. You mean tell you what's wrong with most churches in America and why they're not growing and why they're fighting and they're fussing and they're splitting and doing all this stuff? There's too many chiefs and not enough Indians. And the reason that is, is because it's a simple symptom. And that is selfishness. Say it with me. Say it again. Selfishness. Let's look at that definition. Look at the top of your notes. What's the definition of selfishness? A stable tendency to vote one's time and resources to one's own interests and welfare. Now, everybody read this last part. It's right there in your notes. An unwillingness to inconvenience oneself for... Let's read it again. And... Say amen. Selfishness. You know why marriages many times fail? Selfishness. You know why many partnerships splinter? Selfishness. You know, why, you know why friendships end all the time? Selfishness. You know why churches split? Selfishness. I want my way. I'm not going to end. I'll, I'll be willing if it's convenient. If I don't have to go out of my way. That's selfishness. Now watch what he says. This is really important. If we're, gonna, if we're not going to have strife, if we're going to do everything without strife or vainglory, watch what he says. This is the key. Look at the next verse. He says this. Let each... Well, let me back up. Let me back up. But in lowliness of mind. That's humility. That's humility. But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Now look at that word. Let each... What's that word? Come on, everybody. Esteem. That word means to value, to set a value on, to estimate. You know what it means? It means you look at somebody and you value them. You value them. We, we, the counselor, 
uh, the doctor from uh, Florida that comes up and helps us and, and uh, does some training. Matter of fact, he's helped me. In a tr- I probably wouldn't be in the ministry right now if it wasn't for Dr. Finch. He has helped me that much and, and to be able to deal with some issues I've had. And, and every time he would come, he, w- he would tell us, I want to value you. What can I do to add value to your life? What can I do to make your life better? What can I, I value you. We were important to him. Every time we sat in front of him, we felt like we were important to him. And you know what he's saying here? You know what Paul is saying to Yodius and and Syntyche and all the church at Philippi? You need to start valuing one another. You need to start valuing the one that's in front of you and the one that's behind you and the one that's beside you. You need to value them. Are they important to you? Listen, this is the problem. We live in such a selfish culture, in such a selfish society, in such a dog-eat-dog world, kill or be killed, the survival of the fittest, it's all about me, selfie, 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 say amen, Amen. that we sometimes bring that mentality in the house of God and we got to shake it off. We got to get it off of us because it's not about me. It's not about you. God loves everybody. And I need to value those beside me. Why? Because Jesus did. Do you realize it doesn't matter what side of the tracks you were raised on. It doesn't matter what your 401k is. It doesn't matter what your heritage, your background is. It doesn't matter what hole God dug you out of or what mountain he pulled you down from. It doesn't matter. None of those things. God loves everybody. And he values them to the point he died for them. And God wants us to let each esteem. Let's each esteem others better than themselves. You know, if we started doing that, we wouldn't be selfish. It doesn't matter if I had the lead song. It doesn't matter if I had the lead part. It doesn't matter if I had the best parking or the best seating. It doesn't matter if I had the best position. It doesn't matter if I'm seen or not. If I value others. But do we value them? This is something that clicked in my head. I'm not going to add value to somebody if I don't value them. Now, this is going to go back further than just a society. Sometimes it goes back to our raising. How many of y'all are country enough to know what I just said? And sometimes people outgrow their raising. If you were taught to share, if you were taught to be generous, if you were taught to care about others. Now, I don't know about y'all, but what I'm seeing, what I'm seeing on social media from the youth and the young, not everybody. And I don't want to put a blanket because I always hated that, you know, especially the blanket. uh, Boy, there's them preachers, kids. I was the exception to the rule. Now, my brother and sister, no, no, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. But y'all know what I'm talking about. Those blanket, don't think I'm putting a blanket over all the youth. But in a, in a majority of cases, I'm seeing some spoiled, rotten snobs who don't care about nothing but themselves. I mean, you go into a restaurant and see people sitting out, right, right? Come on, come on, you get there late. I know you do because I go long. 
and you get to a restaurant and you see teenagers and people, an elderly woman standing here waiting for to get seated and teenagers sitting there on their little phone or video games. And the sad part is the mama's sitting there watching and don't tell them, hey, get up so... It's not the teenager's fault, it's the parents' fault. But see, what happens is, is we grow up in that culture. Everybody's not raised the same way. Everybody's not taught the same thing. Everybody, but here's what we got to do. We got to break that. We got to break that cycle and understand it's not about me. I need to put others first. I need to see others before I see myself. Are y'all with me? Say amen. amen. He said, I got to value others. I got to avoid strife. But look what he says this. Here's the, here's the, here's the third thing. What is this? This is under expectations. This is what he expects. If you've been saved, he expects you to avoid strife. B, he expects you to value others. And if you value others, you'll do number what, what, what it says in verse 4. Look what it says in verse 4. Uh-oh, the wind's blowing my pages. Here we go. Verse 4. Everybody there? Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of you see, he expects you to avoid strife, he expects you to value others, and he expects you to put others first. He expects you to put others first. Now, let me help you with something. This verse does not mean you need to mind everybody else's business. Okay? That's a misconception. That's a misconception. What that means is, is you put others before you put yourself. And I'm going to get real practical with this in just a few minutes. As soon as I get through this outline, I'm going to come and I'm going to, I'm going to show you what I'm talking about. I'm going to show you the practicality of this and where we need to practice all this stuff, okay? But until we get there, how many of y'all understand what I mean by putting others first? In traffic, in the parking lot, right? Come on. In, 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 in the drive through I've never seen so much road rage in the same when they put that d- double thing in McDonald's drive-thru. <laughs> Do I have a witness in the house? I mean, it's, all, it's, it's just all but throwing dukes right there in the drive-thru because nobody understands it. Hello. We're, we're, so, we're so consumed with self. Selfishness. But, you know, this is, where, this is where Satan got in trouble. Right? Learn to put others first. Put others first. Okay, number two. And like I said, I'm going to come back and show you the practicality of this. Paul did not give you a command or an expectation without giving you an example. So the second thing is I want you to write down, don't you see the example that we're to follow? He said, he said be humble. He said, be in one accord. He said, do nothing through strife or vainglory. He said, esteem others better than themselves. Look not on your own things, but on the things of others. Now, what better example than the Lord Jesus Christ? He said, after he told them what he expected out of them, then he said, let me tell you, let me tell you who to look to. Let me tell you what example to follow. He said, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, Right? Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no what? Isn't that what everybody cares about? My reputation. How everybody sees me. How everybody looks at me. How important I am. How, man, that is so anti-Christ. 
He was God. He is God. But yet He was willing. The Creator became the creature. Do y'all see this? You know what? I was meditating on this this week. Honest to God, I was meditating on this this week. And something dawned on me. Something dawned on me. God in the flesh, Jesus, right? He was creator. He was creator. But he was willing to become the creature, the man, humanity, so that he could save humanity. He was willing to humble himself. He was willing to lower himself and and forfeit the privileges and all that he had as God and the glories of heaven and the presence of his Father in heaven. He was willing to forfeit all of that so that I could be saved. But watch this, watch this, watch this. The devil, on the other hand, was the creature who said, I want to be the creator out of selfishness. The creature wanted to be the creator out of pride and selfishness and caused many to fall. But Jesus was the exact opposite. He was the creator who became the creature. Are y'all seeing this? Now, why is that so important? You say, what's the big deal about that? Do you realize when you're selfish and you only think about yourself, you're acting like, oh, ho, 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 ho. come on, you're acting like the Man, I, I, they some men are just mad already. And I ain't even got to the good part yet. When you're selfish with your spouse, you're acting like the... When you're selfish at work, you're acting like the... But when you show humility and you put others first, is when you act like... Y'all with me? Let's hurry up. Number three. Number three. Well, if you're filling in notes in number two, number two, the notes are this, the mindset of Christ and the ministry of Christ. He served. He humbled himself. He washed feet. He was willing to become hungry. Imagine that. Imagine that. Brother Mark, the one who had the power to take one lad's lunch and feed thousands was willing to go hungry. Talk about humility. That's Jesus. That's our example. But then lastly, look at this, number three. I want you to see the experience that frustrates. The experience that frustrates. What was number one? Tell me back number one. Come on, everybody. The expectation. What is the expectation? Put others first. Value others. Value others. How many of y'all can see that in that chapter? Say amen. All right. How many of y'all can see that he gave us a good example to follow? Jesus. That's obvious, right? There's no no way to to not see that. All right. Now, look at this. Look Look at this verse. Skip on down to verse 21. Skip on down. Let's look at an experience that frustrates. Matter of fact, let's go back to verse 19. Verse 19, you remember, you remember, as we read this, keep in mind that Paul is in prison, right? He's sitting in prison. He's waiting to be executed. And he sees the problems going on in Philippi, and he's wanting to send somebody to help him. Are y'all with me? He's wanting to send somebody to help him. Watch what he says in verse 19. 
But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timotheus, this is Timothy, shortly unto you that I also may be of good comfort when I know your state. For I have no man like-minded, in other words, like Timothy, who will naturally care for your state. Why? Why? Why can he not find anybody to sin? Verse 21. For everybody, for all seek their own, not the things which are Jesus Christ. Paul says, man, I want to send somebody to you, but I don't have anybody I can send because everybody's too stinking selfish. Frustrating. Can you imagine how frustrated Paul is? He has spent his entire life, he has spent his entire ministry planting these churches, putting his life on the line, being beat with rods, being stoned and left for dead, going through shipwreck. Everywhere he went, he was criticized and mocked and ridiculed. Everywhere he went, they threatened his life. I mean, he suffered severe beatings for the cause of Christ, for these churches, to plant these churches. And now he's sitting in prison, chained, sitting in prison, waiting to be executed. And he's hearing there's some people who can't get along. And then I want to send somebody to help but everybody's too selfish and nobody will think about somebody else before they think about their own issues. That's frustrating. It's frustrating. Now that brings me to this. Everybody put your pen down and look at me. No need to write now. What does this involve? Look at me, everybody. I'm almost done. See, we're going to get out here early. Watch this, watch this. What's that got to do with the church? What's that got to do with Temple Baptist Church? There's an attitude that's creeping in. <clears throat> and, I, and I'm, I'm afraid it's not necessarily creeping in. It's just we haven't dealt with it for a while. And, and, and so we got we to gotta do some maintenance. Uh, several years ago, we went through a, some, some changes and some adjustments at church. And we really made a point to focus on our first-time attenders. How many of y'all remember that if you was here Seven, eight, ten years ago. How many of y'all remember that? And, and we said we've got to change our attitude. We can't be inwardly focused. Because when a church becomes inwardly focused, in other words, we just care about what we want. We care about our own songs. We care about our own seating, our own parking. Make it convenient for us. As long as I get to park where I want, as long as I get to sit where I want, as long as I get to hear what song I want to sit, and as long as I get pampered, then I'm good. We had to change that attitude. We had to say, I need to think about others. I need to put first-time attenders first and the unchurched first. Why? Why is that so important? Listen, it don't matter where I got to park. I'm coming to church. It, 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 don't, it, it don't matter what they sing in here. I'm coming. It don't matter how packed this place is. And I know this is not this is the exception to the rule. Because first-time attenders don't like sitting on people's lap. And y'all don't either. Look how spread out y'all are. Right? We like our space. And I'm with you there. The only one that likes a packed building is the preacher. We like our space, right? And, and first-time attenders, they're like that. And, and so if it gets too crowded, they're not going to come. I'm coming. Regardless, it doesn't matter. You know why? Because I know Jesus. And I know what Jesus did for me. And I know, I know he's worthy. It doesn't matter how inconvenient it is. It doesn't matter how long I got to wait in the parking lot. It doesn't matter how whatever. It doesn't matter. He's good. But see, 
Lost people don't know that yet. Lost people don't know how good Jesus is yet. And, and listen, if it's not convenient for them, they won't keep coming. So what is our job? Our job is to make it as convenient for the unchurched to come to church as possible. What does that mean? We've got to think of others before we think of ourselves. Right? So what does that mean? I, here's, here's what's happening. We, we've got first-time attender parking spots. You know why? We want to give them the best parking. We want to give them the best parking. And, and it's coned off. But, but somehow or another, somehow or another, we got some church people that's, that's gotten attitudes and moved cones and parked there anyway. And you're getting attitudes where they're parking people. Now, let me, let me help you understand something. They are an extension of my hand. They're out there because I asked them to be out there. They're out there because I can't be out there. And so they're little mini-me's out there. And if you get an attitude with them, you're getting an attitude with me. Because I asked them to be out there. They are out there in the snow. They are out there in the rain. They are out there in the heat. They are out there in the cold. And you're going to get an attitude? We're going to cut your tires. In Jesus' name. Church, say amen. This is, I'm trying to be a little funny. I'm trying to lighten the mood because this is serious. Let me help you with something. Let me help you with something. I need my picture. All right. See if y'all can find the preacher's car. Can anybody find the preacher's car? All right, help him out. Help him out. You see that little red dot right there? So I can't see it. I know. But it's there. If you come on up here, you'll see there's a little red dot. You know where that car is? The very farthest parking spot on the whole place. What's the point? I'm not going to ask you to do something I'm not willing to do. And the cars around that little red dot is the staff member's car. Every, listen, if you notice, and not, not the lady staff members, because we let the lady staff members park up the front, but everybody, every male staff member, we're in the bowl every time. Wednesday night, we park in the bottom every time. Every morning, we'll park out there, and, and, and if I get here too early, we make the walk up after church and make the trek back, however, whatever that is. I'm not going to ask you to do something I'm not willing to do. Now, why am I doing that? Because I want a first-time attender to have the best parking spot. Now, I need you to get that same attitude. Don't get frustrated. Don't get mad. Well, I don't want to park way back there. Well, get here earlier. Y'all with me? Well, I don't want to do that. Well, probably Temple ain't for you. Because we, we don't need selfish people here. We don't need self. And, and don't think you're going to threaten me with your ties because I don't know what none of y'all give. So I can say what I want. <laughs> it don't matter. It don't matter. Well, you don't know what I give. I don't care what you give. Because I don't know what you give. And I don't want to know. But I am telling you this. I'm afraid. I'm afraid if God brings us somebody that's lost and dying and going to hell and they need to hear about Jesus, they're going to run into you. And if you act selfish, 
Hello? And I, I'm, I'm, trying to be as, I'm trying to be as serious as I can possibly be and loving as I possibly can be. We do this on purpose. This is because, and by the way, it's not just parking, it's seating too. How many want to guess, how many want to guess where the best seating in the house is in the Baptist church? In the back. In the back. That's where most first-time attenders are going to sit because they're scared. They're nervous. And I can relate to that. I can relate. I grew up in church my whole life. I'm telling you, I was in church nine months before I arrived on this planet. All my life I've been in church. I was a preacher's kid. I went to Bible college, seminary. I'm telling you, I've been pastoring 20-something years, and we can go out of town on vacation, and I can go to a new church, and I'm scared to death. I don't know if they're going to bring out snakes or what they're going to do. Come on, right? So we got to make it as welcoming as possible. Statistics show that first-time attenders come five minutes early, or excuse me, five minutes late or 10 minutes late or 20 minutes, 30 minutes early. And most of them come in late because they don't want to have to talk to y'all. They're nervous. They're trying to fill us out. And one thing, they've already heard a bunch about this church already. And they're afraid about this big building. One of the biggest fears first-time attenders have is this big building. They're afraid of all these people. But what if you went up and said, man, welcome. No, don't do it like that. (laughs) Welcome to Temple. I'm sorry, i got to get back out of my preacher zone, amen. Man, we are glad to have you. I hope you enjoy yourself today. Man, if there's anything I can do for you, let me know. I'm, I'm, talking, about, I'm talking about just church members, not, not staff, not, not people who they think are paid to do it, but just a smile, just a smile. You don't even have to say anything. How about this? Try this. Everybody look. Let's practice. Everybody look. Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. I'm looking at you. All right. You ready? Come on. Come on. Give me. Come on. You're walking down the the highway. You meet somebody you don't know. Come on. Come on. Look. And then, and then watch this. Watch this. This is how it works. Watch this. Don't wink. They'll think you're fresh or something. I just saw. I was winking at Phil y'all right there. Amen. The male feel y'all. The male feel y'all. Let me clarify that. Come on. You and me, Shane? Hey, man. I, whoo, help me, Jesus. Is it hot in here? I'm getting hot. Oh, yeah. That's my coon hunting buddy. Hey, man. We're but. Oh, help us, Jesus. Come on, everybody. Smile. Smile. Come on. You ain't smiled all day. Let me see it. Let me see it. Look at your neighbor and smile at him. Come on. Look at him. Smile. Don't you feel better? Yeah. See? It's contagious. All right, let's do a survey. Let's do a survey. Let's be honest. Don't lie. You'll have indigestion all day if you lie. How many times, how many of y'all have been to a church for the first time, even this one, and you're a little nervous? Come on. See there? See there? Now, if, that's almost 100%. Now, if all of us was nervous, how do you think they're going to feel? How many of y'all have been nervous before like that and somebody just was friendly to you and made you feel better? See, that's what we can do. What's that mean? I'm putting somebody else before me. The way this needs to come, we come for Jesus, right? He's priority. He's first. We come to worship Him. We come to give to Him. And then who comes next? Come on! Others. Others. Listen, 
why should God send a big group of first-time attenders and unchurched people to a church who's going to be snobby? That's right. He's not. But if we go out of our way to make them feel important, we give them the best parking. We give them the best seating. We go out of our way to be friendly. We go out of our way to smile and to speak and to talk and to mingle and meet people. Say, hey, we're here. We're here for you. Let's don't be false advertising, right? Listen, when I, when I tell you, you, you know this, ever serves. Hey, if you're here for the first time, we are tickled to death you're here. You know how they'll feel that? If we are. If we are. Let's love people. Let's esteem others better than ourselves. Let's value people. Let's value people and let's love on people. Let's do everything we can to encourage them. Let's volunteer and serve. Let's don't just come sit soaking sour. Say, where, where can you put me? Where do you need me? One of the greatest misconceptions about a large church is they got plenty of help. That's a lie. There's not one single team, there's not one single ministry here that's not desperate for people right now. You know how you can put others first? Sign up for a team and serve. Serve. Sign up, listen, I, I would mention one or two that's really desperate, but then I'd make all the rest of the leaders mad. So we all need help. We all need help. But please do this. Don't get an attitude in the parking lot no more. I mean, if there's anybody, if there's anybody that should be patient, say that with me, that should be patient. and understanding. Oh, God. <laughs> Say with patient, patient. Understanding, understanding, and kind. kind. It should be us. Look what God lets us be a part of every week. Let me tell you what some of y'all need to do. Some of y'all need to do this. Have y'all ever heard of a sabbatical? I, I hear preachers going on sabbaticals all the time, you know. And, 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 and some of y'all need a sabbatical from Temple. Because this is all you've ever known. And you think everywhere is just like this. But if you go to other places, and, and sometimes I get to. I get to go <laughs> preach out, preach other places. And, and I'm telling you what, I don't mind sitting in the parking lot. I don't mind. I don't mind. It doesn't matter to me as long as you let me keep coming here. As long as you let me keep being a part and hearing this choir and hearing this worship and hearing this service, man. What David say, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in tents of the way. This one thing have I desired and that will I seek after that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Are y'all with me? I don't don't mind none of that because I've been to other places. Let me tell you something. There's people in churches today right now that's there because granny is buried out in the graveyard and they wouldn't leave for nothing, but they wish to God they could be sitting right where you're sitting right now. And they wouldn't care how long the wait is in the parking lot. They didn't care where they had to park because you get spoil rotten every week. I am right. 
How many of y'all appreciate what you get to experience every single week? Then let's start acting like it. Let's be what we're supposed to be. Let's be humble. Let's, listen, let's put others first. When you see somebody coming, open the door for them. And if you go through an open door, you better say thank you. There's been times I just want to snap and kick back out here right now. Don't even acknowledge I opened that. I'm sorry. I'm... Let's be kind. Let's be kind. Now, now listen, I'm going to confess. I'm going to confess. You know, we're supposed to have the heart of a servant, right? And I, I heard this say, man, it was convicting, and I'm going to end with this. You know if you have a heart of a servant by how you act when you're treated like one. Man, that was convicting. Well, I tell you what, they think I'm a servant. Well, aren't you? We're supposed to be. Matter of fact, the Bible uses the word slave. Doulos, slave. We're slaves of Christ. Let's serve. Let's be willing to put others first. Your flesh is going to fight it, but do it anyway. Amen. And you know what I'm going to tell you? I'm going to tell you there's going to be a revolutionary transformation that takes place in your life. You're going to start enjoying life more. You're going to start enjoying church more. You're going to start getting more out of worship. Because the most miserable person in the world is the one that puts themselves first. And the happiest person in the world is the one that puts themselves last. Because fulfillment and satisfaction comes from God. Not being in the limelight. And all God's people see it. Let's stand. Everyone stand. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you.